Lord, we just thank you this morning uh, for the joy of the Lord. Lord, there are so many people and things that can rob of joy. There are people who are completely void of joy, and yet, Lord, we are able continually to just stir up on the inside of ourselves the joy of the Lord, no matter what our situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, because of your great love, Lord, that you have shown towards us. And we are, we are so grateful and so eager, Lord, to look at your word this morning and to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start off in Psalm uh, chapter 14, uh, 19. I, I, I freaked you out, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie's like, what? Okay. Last verse um, of that chapter is where we're going to start. Really, really familiar passage of scripture. I'm going to, I never do this, but we're going to almost exclusively read from the New Living Translation today because sometimes um, we just need things laid out plain where we can understand it. And sometimes some of the psalms with different verbiage and stuff, we sort of disconnect with the meaning. And so I wanted it to be crystal clear as we're looking through this this morning. So this is a psalm of David. And he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I've known this scripture since I was a little girl. And um, the Lord brought it to me the other day, and I was thinking about it. You know, sometimes when we look, when we read this scripture, we sort of look at it all by itself as David is saying, oh, I hope, I hope that I'm cutting the mustard. I hope, Lord, that everything that I'm doing is, is okay with you. I hope I'm measuring up. But how many of you know that, that David lived a long time ago? And none of us were there when he wrote this. None of us know what happened before or after. We don't know his state of mind, his mood. We don't, we don't know anything except we have these words. Now, this is today when we're talking to each other, we can take this sentence. We can say, I didn't say she was fat, which I did not. But we can say this. We can say, I didn't say she was fat, which leaves us with a question. Who did? <laughs> Somebody did. Who was it? <laughs> or we can say, I didn't say she was fat. Then the question is, well, Melody, what did you say? Or I can say, I didn't say she was fat. It's like, well, did you insinuate it, Melody? Because she's pretty upset over there. I can say, well, I didn't say she was fat. Well, who did you say was fat? I could say, well, I didn't say she was fat. Well, what was it that you said? Did you, did you say, you know, like if you eat any more of those blizzards, you're going to blow up? I mean, what, you know? I didn't say she was fat. Well, what was it you said? Plump? Chubby? Stout? 
that would be reflected, would it be, just reading those words on a piece of paper? All of that would be lost. It would just be like, I didn't say she was fat. I wonder what that was all about. So for us looking at these words of David that he wrote, I want us to go back to the very beginning of the chapter so we can kind of look at his state of mind, what he's talking about before he ended that writing in, <laughs> uh, in the statement that he made. So let's start here. The heavens tell the glory of the Lord. Do we have like different New Living Translations, Julie? Because I, I went and dug in my basement hard for this, and it says New Living Translation. We'll go with what Julie's got up there. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. What's speaking? The skies are speaking. The heavens are speaking. Night after night, they make him known. You know, we have wonderful skies here in Pueblo. <laughs> One time, Mike and I were up in, in Westcliff. We were camping, and, of course, I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And So, of course, I needed an escort. And so, of course, I woke him up and brought him with me to trot down to the little restroom. And we walked outside. It absolutely took our breath away. We looked up, and you would think that it was a movie set. There were that many stars. It was just like the entire sky was loaded. There must not have been an ounce of haze in the sky that night. It was just phenomenal. We, we, we discussed possibly waking up the rest of the family so they could see. We decided against it. And then they were all mad at us in the morning after we told them about it. Because it was phenomenal. You know, those stars were speaking they speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. And yet their message is gone throughout the earth. Their words to all the world. God has made a helm in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end, and nothing can hide from its heat. So that was part one of what he had on his mind was creation, just how phenomenal it is, how it speaks of the things of God. In fact, over in the New Testament, it says in Romans, it says that there really is nobody on the face of the earth who could say, nobody told me that there was a God simply because of what we can see around us. It's obvious. If you stop and think for just a little while, you know, the fact that all of, they can actually, they actually have, how many of y'all have watched that Star of Bethlehem? It's such, it's such, if you haven't, you should. The Star of Bethlehem. It's a video. You should watch it. But it's a man who did a study on the star of Bethlehem. And they have computer programs and stuff now that the, the okay, how do stars move and all that sort of stuff? What's that word? 
Okay, how they all move, they rotate and they don't bump into each other. What's that? Orbit. Okay, they have orbits. And so they're all moving in such a predictable way that with these computer programs, they could go back and see where the star, what star the star of Bethlehem was, and they can tell you where the stars are going to be next year. It is that predictable. That cannot just happen. It's impossible for that just to happen. For man to have been on earth all of these years and we've never been bumped into by another something or other. I mean, I know little small things have hit and things, but there hasn't been like a collision of planets. You don't, the scientists don't look up regularly and say, oh, this one bumped into this one. He went out of orbit. He did this. They crashed. They boomed. The universe is in chaos. It's, it, it's not like there's a very, very systematic. Every day, the sun comes up. Every evening, there it sets in the west, and we have such phenomenal sunsets here in Pueblo. <laughs> Anyone can look and say, there is a God. So David had spent some time sitting around looking. Don't get too busy. <laughs> Don't get too busy because when you're too busy, it's difficult for God to speak to you through these things because you never bother to sit and look, look at them. But David had. He had sat. He'd thought about it. So that was part one. He just was in awe of God, in awe of his creation. So now he comes into part two. All right. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. His instructions and his word, it revives my soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It means it doesn't matter if you're not super smart. If you just look in the book and do what God says, then, then you're going to be wise. You'll be walking in paths of wisdom. So even the simple, they're able to be wise. The commandments of the Lord, they're right. They bring what to the heart? When you read your Bible, does it bring joy to your heart? It did to David's. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. How many of y'all need insight? Yeah. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, and each one is fair. And this is his whole summation. Now, if y'all notice, he broke this, he broke God's word up into a bunch of categories. And before we go on with verse 10, um, I want to draw something to your attention. All that David had was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, probably Joshua, Judges, and maybe Ruth. The end. Now, I like Genesis. That tells us all about creation, how, how man came to be. It tells about the fall of man. It goes all through Abraham, all through till Joseph is in Egypt, and there we leave him there. Exodus, we get out of Egypt. We get to start coming back to the promised land. Everything's good in Exodus. How many of you have ever started a Bible reading program and you died in Leviticus? You just died there. It's like, I cannot. I cannot. 
bring myself to do this. I did many times. I, I go, I get some things from Leviticus now. I read it. <laughs> Numbers. Deuteronomy. Okay, Joshua, things start getting good again. <laughs> Judges, things are interesting. Ruth, okay. That is the word that David loved so much that he was talking about. Just that. Now, we've got so much after that, so much of the word of God that has come. Oh, man, all of that, I can really, I can see how, you know, all the, he didn't even have like the miracles of Elijah and Elisha and all of that good stuff. None of that had happened yet. And yet, did you hear his tone about how he talked about God's word? He loved it. This is what he says about how he values it. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. He said, it's, it's, we're not talking about like it's as good, it's better than gold-plated. He said, no, pure gold, they are more desirable than gold, even than the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the cone. This is before the days of refined sugar. Honey was a big, big deal. <laughs> it was the sweet thing <laughs> other than fruit. They're a warning to your servant. A great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. How many of you, this can sound really negative, but how many of you have been surprised at yourself at times when all of a sudden you discover something is motivating you that you did not know motivated you? How many have ever discovered something inside of yourself, an attitude that you had just kind of smoothed over, you know? You had just polished it up a little and let it stay on the shelf. And then all of a sudden, one day, you saw it for what it was. You know, none of us know ourselves completely. We don't. We know the version of who we want to be. <laughs> we know what we were shooting for. We know what we wanted. This is, this, is the, this is the melody I want to be. I want to be this. And then Mike might say, well... That Melody's coming right along, but she hasn't quite arrived yet. <laughs> she's, she's, she's in the works. And so this is what I believe that David is talking about here in, in this verse. I'm just playing with you, Julie. I'm just, just as soon as you click it off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you put it back up. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Show them up to me, God. Let me see them. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. I'm sure none of us in here have committed deliberate sins. One of it, you know, sometimes we're like, would you stop the red alerts, Lord? <laughs> I am going to do this, and we will discuss it later because I am ticked off. We sin deliberately, and he's saying, keep me from those deliberate sins and don't let them control me. And then I'm going to be free of guilt and innocent of, of great sin. And then he ends where we started. He's expressed great admiration for God, his creation, a great love for the word of God 
And then he ends here. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What does he start out? With the words of my mouth. What did he say that all of creation was doing? Speaking. Saying, all of creation, the skies, the heavens, everything you've made, it's all speaking of the greatness of God. And when words come out of my mouth, I want my words to be speaking the greatness of God. I want my words to be something that brings pleasure to you. And I told you I'd do it, Julie. You didn't believe me? So it's, <laughs> we, we, got, we got conflicting Bibles here. So it says, and then I, I, it's like, I think David is like, oh, yeah, there's something that leads up to those words, <laughs> those meditations of the heart, those things that I'm thinking about. You know, those things that you're thinking about, they turn into expressions. You know, every single thing that we see in creation God saw it on the inside of himself first, and then he spoke, and what phenomenal words those were. His words were well used. Our words are not always well used. And David's saying, I want the words of my mouth, but they are rooted in the meditations of my heart. And these are things that sneak up on us sometimes. Sometimes... We recognize them. How many of you have ever just been bebopping along in life? Maybe you start feeling a little not happy. And then you just think, man, this is sort of a bum day. I'm not really liking this day too much. And then you think, hey, what's going on? And then you check up in your brain. And it's like, oh, it's what you've been thinking about. You've been thinking about things that are making me unhappy. You have been thinking about things that are making me feel ticked off. Our words and our actions are rooted in the things that we're thinking about. When my boys were really little, Danielle was a teenager, we were having some company over, and um, you know how it is with little kids. You're trying to clean up. But as fast as you clean up, they unclean it for you. And it just, and so finally I told Danielle, I said, would you take the boys in the backyard and just play with them and let me get this house cleaned up once and for all, and then we'll be ready for tonight. So she did. So I'm cleaning, 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 cleaning. And um, then time to bring the boys in, brought the boys inside. Well, I had their blue jeans rolled up in the little cuffs. And they've been playing in the sandbox. So I'm not just like, come on, boys, come on, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to do that. And then everywhere those children had been, there was this trail of sand. I just finished cleaning everything, and there's sand all over the house now. And I hadn't really, I'm I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to lose my temper. This is really nobody's fault. I'm just upset. And so there were several things that happened that day. And I wasn't really thinking about them. But all of a sudden, somebody walked into the house and did something so offensive. It was awful. 
I had packed a tomato in his lunch that day. And he walked into the house. And he hadn't eaten his tomato. And here I'm trying to get ready for a house full of guests. This is what's going on inside me. And he put the tomato on the counter and said, I didn't eat this. There was instant rage. I mean, even I recognized, what is wrong with me? It's a tomato. And so I went back to my bedroom and I thought, I need a moment because I am about to come uncorked over a tomato. But as I sat on my bed, what I realized is I'm just in my mind all day. It's like, I don't know, the little kids are little cuffs and the little sandals. The little, why didn't Danielle think to undo their cuffs and get all the sand out? Like, I would have thought of that. I'm having all these people. I'm just, why isn't Mike here early? But I was not aware of any of that going on inside here until the tomato. And that tomato just brought everything to a head. You know, there, what you are meditating on in your heart, first of all, it's not controllable as far as where it's going to go if you choose to dwell on it. You might think, I'm just going to dwell on what I'm going to do to this person if I ever get the opportunity to really speak my mind. And then I'm just going to walk away and I won't think about it anymore. Oh, no, honey, you have watered a seed. Now we've got roots growing. Now we've got little leaves coming up. <laughs> oh, anyone who lives in Pueblo West is quite familiar with the plague of weeds. You get them when they're little or your life is, is unmanageable. So the things that we allow into our minds, the things that we dwell on is what we are going to give forth with our life. It's what's going to come out in the way that we relate to people. It's going to, what's going to come out with our words. And so when David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, he had a real key. When we, looked at, when we look at this, some of, the, some of the translations, what is it, acceptable? What are some of the other ones? whatever they are, this is what it comes out, come, some other options if you look at a concordance, different words you could have used to translate that. To delight you. To desire. What would you desire, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be? Favor. They cause you to look on them with favor. Good pleasure. They're pleasing to you. You know, we can look at this. When we started with this scripture, we can look at it as, as having a really critical heart of, ooh, God, is he's just looking. But I don't feel like that was David's heart at all. It was like, God, you have done this phenomenal job making this creation that speaks of your greatness. You have invested yourself in this word that, it delights me, it refreshes me, it helps me, it gives me wisdom, it encourages me. And now the words that I speak, rooted in the thoughts that I dwell on, 
Lord, as I lift them before you, I'm saying, is this okay, God? You know, when a relationship between a parent and a child is good, and all relationships as children are being raised, they fluctuate. You know, <laughs> foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child is what the Bible says, and it, it comes out. <laughs> and so sometimes your children might be in a very receptive point in your relationship. They might be asking, Mom, Dad, is this good? You know, is this a good thing to do? Other times they might be like, well, why should I do it that way? Why do I have to do it that way? Why do I have to clean my room? <laughs> why is it important? Why do I have to do this? But you know, in a relationship that is healthy between a parent and a child, which is what our relationship is with God, he is our father, we are his children. When we have an attitude that says, is this good, God? Is this a good thought to be in my, in my mind? Is this a good attitude to have, Lord? Are these good words to speak, Father? Is this good? Is this pleasing to you? Is this, you think this is a good thing? And sometimes God says, don't say that. And then very often he's encouraging our hearts. He's giving us a flow, you know, out of the abundance of our heart, this flow comes. Now we're going to look real briefly at Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20. This says, now this is David's son, Solomon, writing. And he starts out talking about conversations he had with his father. David, who was talking about, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accepted to your Lord. And all of that, he's now teaching his son. He's trying to impart to his son the truths that he has learned. And he says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Are you a keeper of your heart? You know, it's yours to keep. And he's saying here that your heart from this on the inside of you, and if you look at our body, if you think about, if you think about this, everything in here is organs and different things, and I know it all flows together, but where is the central control of the whole body? It's in our minds. <laughs> some, of, some of that control is involuntary, and then other control is voluntary. It is that voluntary control of being a keeper of your heart, a keeper of what is going on on the inside of you. Do you know nobody can keep that but you? You're the only one. And he's saying here, it is so important. Keep God's word before you all the time. It's not, a, it's, not a, um, it's not just a suggestion, and it's not like a manner of speaking. He's literally saying, 
keep God's word before you all the time. You know, it's easier for us to keep God's word before us, I believe, than any time in history. It really is. And we have the whole, the whole Bible now, so we have access to every single one of those books. We have all sorts of resources, and yet it's very easy for us to let other things overwhelm us. Other things come and become central in our lives. And uh, we cause the word of God to be pushed to the periphery instead of being central. And so what Solomon is saying here, he's saying guard what is going on on the inside of you because everything is going to flow out of that. So when we say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, if you want the words of your mouth to be like the words of God's mouth that produces wonderful and beautiful things in the lives of those around you, in your own life, you have to guard your heart with all diligence. That is where life flows from. You know, Romans 8, 6, it says this. It says, to be carnally minded, or let's see, let the sinful nature control your, letting your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to death. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing life-giving in it. But letting the spirit control your mind, what is this? This is what we're talking about. Lord, is this good? <laughs> is it okay that I think about this? Is this all right? Is this a good for me? Is this pleasing to you? Does this fulfill your purpose for me to be thinking in these ways? The Lord will help you. It says the, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and it leads to, do you know how valuable peace is? <laughs> peace is a rare commodity in this world. You have people who are super wealthy, people who are well-known. And those, those are really, if you look from the world standpoint, those are really the two things we look to as far as being successful, right? People know who you are, and you have lots of money. <laughs> if you've got those two things, everybody's like, hey, you made it. You're successful. You did good in life. And yet you have people who fit, the, fit that description, and they are spouting things to the world. This is awesome. We should do this. And then the next thing you know, they've taken their own life. Because there was no peace inside. And so to be spiritually minded brings life and it brings peace. So when your heart is like David's heart saying, Lord, I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer, this is about you and your life. This is about you living in peace and joy. Because, you know, if you set your mind on the things that are pleasing to God, he says, these are healthy things to think about. These are good things to think about. How your neighbor's dog barks all night is not a good thing to think about. <laughs> How your kids won't pick up your, their stuff, it's something you might need to discipline over but not dwell on and think about all the time. It doesn't help your relationship to think about it all the time. And so the Lord will help us, and as he does, as we say, is this a good one, Lord? Is this okay? And he's like, better skip that one. 
It leads to life and it leads to peace. Lord, we thank you that you have not only promised, but you have made good on your promise to give us peace that passes understanding. Lord, it guards us, it guards our heart, it guards our mind in you. Lord, I pray for everyone here. I just want you to agree in your hearts with me about this. I pray for each one here, Father, that we would value our own heart, knowing, Lord, that we were created in your image, in your likeness. And, Lord, you want to see the same things in our lives that you have. And so, Father, I just pray that that we would just be enamored with who you are, Lord. That we would look at your greatness, that we would dwell on it, that we would allow that to become big in our lives, the magnitude of God. Lord, that we would love your word, that we would make it our, our greatest priority to be in your word, to read it, to eat it because it's good. And Lord, that we would come to you in humility like children, allowing you to help us filter what goes on in our mind so that, Lord, our mouths will be able to speak out the things that you need us to speak out. That our words, Lord, that our love would be communicated to those around us. That we would be able to share with others around us your love for them that it wouldn't be clouded by relationships that we have allowed, Lord, to just be um, completely dominated by strife and friction, but that we would leave our hearts free, Lord, to serve you, to love you with everything in us. If you're here today and you've never received the Lord, um, his heart is to be one with you. The Bible says this that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn it, but that we would be saved through him. Jesus's trip to earth was a rescue mission for you and for me because of the love that God had for us. If you've never entered into a relationship with God, I want you to just stay after service. There's folks up here who can pray with you. Um, And I want you to take advantage of that. Don't say, I'm going to go out. Maybe next week I'll come and I'll pray with those folks. But man, I have got to meet somebody. Forget your dinner. I'm serious. Because God wants to connect with you. He wants to come and live on the inside of you. The one who created everything you see, he wants to come on the inside of you. And so when we dismiss today, I want you to come up. I want you to pray with these folks because God wants to be uh, a part of every aspect of your life. He wants to come in and he wants to fill you.